the fuck was that? Hello, welcome to episode 290 of Ferg on the Freak. I'm the bloke from Rugby League Project, Andrew Ferguson. You can find me on Twitter, at AndrewRLP. Join me as always is the startled League Freak. You can find on Twitter, at League Freak. How you going there, mate? I'm good. Our audio cunt is fired. <laughs> what the hell just happened? My keyboard moved. Uh, what the hell's your keyboard made out of? Fucking fingernails down a chalkboard or something. Exactly. Yeah. No one fucks with my keyboard. Yeah. Now, um, I, I've, I've got to say something off the top here. Mm-hmm. I um, I caught up with uh, Mrs. Nathan and Mr. Mrs. Nathan on the weekend. Oh, really? Had a How lovely, uh, had a lot of barbecue. Yeah. Um, Mr. Mrs. Nathan, I mean, he's a lovely bloke. Let's 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 not be around the bush here. Yeah. Um, huge, I've got to say, huge fan of Manscaped. And uh, I can tell you now, firsthand, he is very good with the machinery. Really? Mm, exquisite. Wow. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, Mr. Nathan, I guess we'll call him, Mr. 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 Nathan. Yeah, that, that'll work. Yeah. Uh, he, he showed us that he's got the Manscaped uh, T-shirt before anyone thinks of anything weird. But yeah. I know that Mrs. Nathan is very appreciative of Manscaped as well. And if you go to Manscaped, if you want to be as happy as Mrs. Nathan is, you go to manscaped.com, right? You put in at checkout, you put in our exclusive code, which is NRL, and you get 20% off and free shipping of everything they've got. This is a limited time offer, okay? I'm telling you right now, if you're going to do it, do it right now, okay? Go to manscaped.com. Get the perfect package. That's the one to get because you get everything in it. It's fantastic. And 20% off and free shipping. Like, basically, we are putting money in your pocket. And if it's good enough for Mrs. Nathan, it's good enough for your missus as well. Absolutely. Now um, now that we've got the uh, the friendly comments out of the way, yes. I, I need to, a uh, little disclaimer, uh, Freaky's pissed off. I am. And uh, I figure, let's not save the rage. Let's unleash that shit. Well, should we tell everyone what the occasion is first? Um, I don't know. I, I think you should unleash the rage, get that shit out of the way, and okay. then we'll go into everything else after that. Okay, all right. Well, let's let's leave a carrot for a little bit down into the episode. All right, well, the International Rugby League Chairman, whose name is Troy Grant, has uh, welcomed proposed changes to the state of origin eligibility rules that would allow somebody like Jason Tamalolo to play for the Maroons in state of origin series. I don't know who the fuck Troy Grant is, but he should keep his fucking mouth shut. Okay. There are all of these statistics about rugby league in Australia. 71% of NRL players are born outside of Australia. 52% of Pacific Nations heritage, okay? That's mm-hmm. great. That's fantastic. That's really good. That's brilliant. I love it. It's fantastic. That sounds to me like Australia needs to develop its rugby league players a little bit better. Doesn't it sound like that to you, Andrew? Well, Does it sound yeah. like we should be undermining any fucking avenue for Australian-born players, 
And I don't care what your race is, okay? Let's get this fucking race shit out of the way. Because I've seen people on Twitter saying this is about race. It's not fucking about race. It's about rugby league and it's about money, okay? Because the Australian Rugby League in 1980 put together a series by itself coming out of a decade in the 70s where rugby league in Australia was terrible. It was rotten to watch. It was on the nose with the public. Sponsors didn't want anything to do with it. It was a game for thugs, okay? And it was also a game that was divided. The Sydney competition was the only competition around. And what they did is they brought together a State of Origin series. Now, the State series used to be a residency series. You played for the state where you were living in if you're an Mm -hmm. Australian player. Then they changed its State of Origin, which allowed players that were born in Queensland to play for Sydney-based clubs, but then go and play back for Queensland in the State of Origin series. A lot of people said it wouldn't work. Guess what? It worked. And it was something that Australian Rugby League tried, and it worked. And ever since then, every other fucking rugby league nation has sat back and whinged that the State of... Oh, how can we compete with the State of Origin series? How can we do that? How about you make your own fucking things? How about you do something? You pull your finger out your fucking asses and do something to make the game in your own countries better. Now, Jason Taumalolo, in my opinion, is the best lock that's ever played the game in the whole history from 1895. And if you need to know how great he is, this is a guy that was born in New Zealand that went to North Queensland Cowboys as a youngster. He turned them into a premiership winner. Yeah, Jonathan Thurston had a lot to do with that as well. But damn it, Jason Taumalolo was rock solid for them and helped them win a premiership. He then decided he didn't want to play for the Kiwis, which was really easy. Turn up for the Kiwis, play for the Kiwis, great. He wanted to go and play for Tonga, which was the nation of his heritage. He went to Tonga when they were just one of those Pacific Islands teams that didn't do much. You know, they played well against each other, but that was it. He turned them from that team to one that was the best team in the world when we last played International Rugby League. They beat Australia, they beat New Zealand, they beat Great Britain, they beat everyone. And he did that. He was the foundation of that. And he did that at a time when the Tongan Rugby League was a fucking shambles. They couldn't even call it the Tongan International Team. They'd call it the Tongan Invitational Team. That's how great Jason Tamalolo is. What we should be doing is investing in international rugby league. So players like Jason Tamalolo can play for the nation that he wants to play for. And you let Australia, leave Australia to go and play State of Origin. Because that, that's, that's no one else's business. That's Australia's business. All right? What we should be doing, instead of saying to all of these international players, oh, it'd be great if you played State of Origin, we should be sitting back and saying, man, our State of Origin series is great and it all feeds into the Australian Rugby League team. And damn, I love it watching watch Australia trying to beat Tonga with Jason Taumalolo. We shouldn't be undermining the international game every chance we can get. And we shouldn't be undermining the State of Origin series every chance we get. Because some fucking idiot in head office has looked at the wind this morning and said, oh, it's blowing the other direction. Let's change another fucking rule. I'm sick of the rule changes. Can we just write the rule book, put it in a vault, chuck it in the ocean like it was the fucking Tesseract, and leave it? We don't need to change everything every five minutes. It's pissing me off, Andrew. (laughs) I'd like to know why 
the International Rugby League, in all their wisdom, are getting involved in a thing that's not international. Yeah. This is a NRL concept. That's all it is. It doesn't need to be internationally recognised. It's it's. Let's be honest. It's a series. It's not much more than an exhibition series. If I'm running, because the... there's no nations involved. It's a exactly. thing they do as rep footy between two states. England had this for a long time. It was called War of the Roses, and no yeah, one gave a fuck. That's right. And if if they want to get a you know, if they want to get the best players in the world into the best competition in the world, then they need to be focusing on, as you said, international football. Mm-hmm. The reason why Origins become the biggest spectacle is because international football well, has just been frittering away. And so the competition just starts to fritter away, and a lot of it comes down to the fact that England have been running on a treadmill for the best part of 40 years. You know, and so Australia's just out there beating everyone they want. Now we've finally got Tonga come along and they're competitive. We've got New Zealand who have been competitive more often than not since, you know, the last 25, almost 30 years. And Great Britain slash England are just drifting further and further behind everyone else. And I think this is the problem that the International Rugby League's got, is the majority of of international teams globally are in the Northern Hemisphere, but all of the best rugby league is being played in a small part in the Southern Hemisphere. That's pretty much it. And so everyone in the Northern Hemisphere wants to be in the best competition in the world, which is down south, and they want to be in origin because it's the best series there is in the world. Instead of looking inward and hunkering down on what we've already got, they should be trying to improve the international game and expand the fucking thing. And I hate this inward-looking, backwards concepts. It goes between, it just goes on in rugby league all the time. And if you're running the international rugby league right now, you've got to stop looking at what we have, look at what we don't have, and start building from there. I dare say you agree with me when I say this. In a perfect world, rugby league grows so far beyond state of origin that we just do away with it. Yeah, absolutely. Look, if this if this bloke, I forgot his name. Let's his call him Terry. His name's Tony Grant. I've never heard of Tony Grant. Have you? No, don't know who he is. Um, Troy Grant. I didn't even remember his first name. I was going to call him Terry. Ter- Terry Grant. We'll call him Terry. Better um, than John Grant. We can all agree on that. That's true. If... Terry wants to uh, do something to try and help rugby league. How's about he goes and tries to capitalise on the currently, currently, um, you know, almost lost fan base they've got in Toronto at the moment. Mm-hmm. That'd be a good idea. They build a fan base there, a, a decent sized one, considering how short a time that Wolfpack team was around. Why would you completely ignore what they've got there in order to tinker around and piss fight around with a concept that doesn't need tinkering around with? It's the biggest drawing rugby league competition in the world as far as bums on seats, cash, sponsorship money, TV viewing audiences. Why 
Why fuck with that? If that thing's working, leave it the fuck alone. Yes, and it's not only that, Andrew. It's like, okay, that's working. Are we having a problem developing players from other nations in the NRL? No, that's working fantastically well. Are international teams not being able to compete with Australia? No, that's working very well. Why the fuck would you change anything? I dare say a lot of these people are based in, as they always are, based in the Northern Hemisphere. Listen to me, Toby, whatever your name is. How about you tell us what the calendar is for International Rugby League after fucking December this year? I bet you can't. Too busy worrying about state of origin? Are you serious? <sighs> it's so fucking annoying. Because, look, if we weren't developing these nations, and it's the NRL, it's not the International Rugby League, the International Rugby League is fucking useless. And they always have been. Uh, until such time as France was running some International Rugby League for us, because no one else could be bothered. And then at some point... Australia and in England decided to take over, and then Australia just was like, oh, fuck this shit, and left it to England. And the Poms are so bad at running rugby league, you just got to look at how they run rugby league in England. And ever since then, international rugby league has been a, a fucking shambles. You know, the, any idea that you would water down international rugby league and state of origin football, to what end? So that more people watch state of origin? Like, what are you talking about? Millions of people watch State of Origin as it is to make more money. It sells out the biggest stadiums in Australia. Yeah, like, you can't, you can't, you can't put more people into an already full stadium. Yes. <laughs> and that's the thing, is if you, if you start tinkering with it and let people in there who aren't from New South Wales or Queensland, and yes, I know that there's been players from outside of New South Wales and Queensland playing Origin in the past, but if you make it an official rule and you allow anyone to play in it you do run a very real risk of people losing interest in it and then state of origin as a concept starts losing its its appeal yeah and how's that help anyone right now you've got something that works perfectly fine Mm -hmm. just like rugby league rules stop fucking with it it works fine Mm -hmm. go play with something else that's not working how's about the international rugby league tries to figure out a way of fixing english rugby league Try yeah, and maybe create a state of origin series in England that people would be interested in other than England playing against a bunch of people who are not quite English, but they, if they keep them there long enough, they might claim them as their own. Let's call it the International Invitational Over 35 team because that's what it fucking is that they're going to play. The English <laughs> Rugby League team is too important to play France, Scotland, Ireland, or Wales, just ask them. What a bunch of losers. I'd when was no- the last time England won anything worthwhile? I would love nothing more than for Australia and New Zealand to start investing a lot more time and effort in France. Well, here's imagine, the what, imagine what would happen to the English Rugby oh. League if France started becoming be- not just better than them, but vastly better than them. Imagine the meltdowns in England when France gets to beat England next time around. I think if Australian Rugby League linked up with French Rugby League, say because the French would have to come to Australia and say, listen, we've got a problem and we need you to come and help us. And we are going to say yes to everything you say to us. That's how willing we are to work with you. 
I think within five years' time, the French rugby league team would be consistently beating the English rugby league team because no one plays rugby league more the way it is supposed to be played than France. Yeah. When France play rugby league, they play it like the the rule book states it should be played. Okay, no one plays better rugby league than France when they're at their best. Not not even Australia, not even Australia. And if they just get their fitness levels up, if they sort out their junior development, if they can get more depth, if their halves are learning to play the game not from a bunch of fucking English players, but from some people that actually can play in the halves, they're going to just be amazing. They're going to be really, really good. And even New Zealand. I mean, the New Zealand Rugby League is crap. Let's face it. New Zealand Rugby League, tell me the last thing that they did. Just thing. Won the World Cup? No, no, I'm not talking about their team. Like, the, the last, like, innovation, the last good idea, the last... Like, they've been talking about doing... Uh, their own version of Origin for fucking 30 years now. I and think, what the, have, I think what they're done? doing there is no. they, they, they put the idea out there and they think, oh, if we put the idea out there, the NRL will do the rest. And the NRL's going, yeah, it's a good idea. You should get you know your national board to do something about it because that's mm-hmm. what we did here. And they're like, yeah, we kind of want you guys to do it. And that's kind of where they're at. Exactly. The NRL should take over New Zealand Rugby League, and New Zealand Rugby League could be so much better for it. Um, New Ze- the fact that New Zealand Rugby League was overtaken by tiny, tiny nations in the Pacific Islands, it nation- some of these nations whose boards were a catastrophic mess, says a lot about the way that Rugby League is run in New Zealand. And I, I just think that all of this this stuffing around and like gazing at state of origin football, I think it's gross. You know, my goal would be that we see international rugby league at a level where we're not even talking about state of origin football. We're saying like state of origin, who cares about that? Can we just get Australia to be a good test team again? Like that's the goal. Surely it shouldn't be the opposite way. No, that's right. And look, that's one thing that I will give a lot of credit to Mel Meninga for as he's trying to build that sense of um, importance, I guess, around getting an Australian jumper. Yeah. Um, I really do uh, like what he's doing there, and I hope he hangs around in that role for quite a while to make sure that that continues to happen because people are starting to um, really cherish getting an Aussie jumper again now, whereas in the past it was like, oh, this is not too bad. You know, it's not as good as Origin, but it's not too bad. <laughs> Uh, we've actually got people who cherish that Aussie jumper again um, as much as they should. And the thing is, too, like that last real international season we had where Tonga ended up beating Australia, you know, Australia beat New Zealand, Great Britain couldn't beat anyone. I mean, PNG beat Great Britain. I think in my lifetime, that's the best international rugby league season I've ever witnessed. <laughs> Like, I'm, I'm not even joking, though. Like, can you think, in terms of overall international rugby league seasons, can you think of any that have been better than that? I think, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm going to sound like an arsehole here. 1954 was a good one. And I'm not saying that as a joke. This fucking guy. I'm not saying that as a joke, though. I mean, <laughs> yeah. that was when we actually, not we, France, 
mm-hmm. went through every hoop possible to create a World Cup when every other supporting nation was trying to give reasons not to have it. Mm-hmm. You know, they wanted to have the USA in there. And England said, no, 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 they're not good enough. And France said, we'll play them and see how they perform and we'll judge that for ourselves. And France played them. I think they they beat them like 13 to nil. It wasn't, a, or it might have been a bit more than that, but it wasn't by March. Mm-hmm. It wasn't an absolute, you know, drubbing. But then they went, yeah, you know what, maybe they're not ready yet. So said, how's about we get Wales in there? And England went, no, you're not going to make Great Britain weaker. And then Australia's like, oh, we don't have to travel over there. It's going to cost us money. France said, oh, we'll pay for your flights. Don't worry about it. Well, but accommodation, we'll pay for your accommodation too. Don't worry about it. And every time they put a put a wall up, France knocked it down. And that's what's so that's why I'm so passionate about France's international game because they've done so much for the game internationally. And internationally, the game has done so little for them in return. They got fucking deleted by the Vichy government and they got back on their own terms. And still, international game went, oh, well done. Well done, yeah. guys. You did well. Um, so, yeah, it was a good year. France were at the absolute peak that year. Australia was pretty damn good. Um, Great Britain was pretty damn strong. And New Zealand were not at the same level, but they weren't that far behind. And so he had four genuine international sides that were all pretty evenly matched. Then you had, you know, USA were were starting to do tours. There was they were trying to get the game up in Italy, getting the game up in South South Africa, and yeah, there's just little bits of rugby league going on all over the world, and they're trying to get the game going everywhere. And there's just a lot of excitement about the game then. Don't know why it stopped, but you know, around that that fifties period for me is when rugby league internationally was at its absolute peak. It stopped because the international boards, for the most part, are lazy and insular. Well, I mean, for a long time too, those in, those uh, international boards were made up of people from Australia, England, and New Zealand only. It took a while to even get France in there. I think France actually had to lobby to get a official on the board in order to get the World Cup across in '54 because they weren't even on the board in '54. It's crazy. Yeah, so crazy. I just when things like this come up, I get so angry because I think the people running this game, they don't even understand what's got to happen to make this game better than it is, and that should always be the goal. And I, you know, I'm I look at State of Origin, and it's all it's all right. You don't have to mess with it. They fixed up the eligibility rules in recent years, and so now at least it's not a free for all where you had. Basically, the New South Wales and Queensland coaches starting to draft international players into their team and luring them in with money. You know, and all it did was hurt it hurt the Australian team. Like, it's no coincidence that after undermining our eligibility rules at state of origin level that we lost our first test series against New Zealand and then a few years later lost our first World Cup in a generation, or maybe even two or three generations, I think it's fair to say, definitely yeah. playing generations. Um, it, it, that's not a coincidence. And when all of the eligibility rules were tightened up, Australian Rugby League realised, man, we've got no forwards. And it's taken us a long time to develop forwards again. 
so that we've got someone like a David Fafida. Like for a long time, we didn't have very good forwards because we had relied on other nations at state of origin level to bolster out our pack. The likes of Tony Carroll, you know, uh, Jason, Jason, uh, Tamo, uh, James Tamo, um, you know, Brad Thorne, Petro Sivanasiva, all these players that weren't born in Australia. And we can't go back to that for Australian rugby league, first of all. But international rugby league can't be looking to go back either. We need to make those players say, I don't want to play. What would I play for New South Wales or Australia? You know, I'm a proud Tongan. I'm a proud Samoan. I'm a proud Kiwi. I'm a proud Fijian. I'm from the Cook Islands. I'm from PNG, wherever it is they're from. That's what we should be doing. We should be investing in that. We should be giving them avenues to play those games. And we've been saying for so long, like, every single... It shouldn't be a state of origin series. It should be the mid-season international calendar where, you know, the lead-in for state of origin, if you want to say that's going to be the last game, and I think broadcasters want that to be, the lead-in to those games should be a Sunday afternoon clash between Tonga and Samoa. You know, maybe the next weekend it's a, a clash between the winner of those two versus New Zealand. And, the, you know, maybe the loser plays Fiji and the, the winner of that game you plays, you know... You have like a Four Nations or something like that or, you know, a, yeah. a Pacific Six Nations team or, you know, just something like that and just have every Origin week, you know, you've got no NRL on. You have mm-hmm. these Pacific Nations playing each other and it happens every year. And they all get to play each other on Australian TV, get, you know, get some sponsorship money for them, get a lot of crowds coming in. Um, they get to play on a regular basis, and it's only going to strengthen them. Because, mm-hmm. you know, we have started doing that. That's why we started to see PNG started to improve, Fiji yeah. started to improve, Tonga, Samoa. You know, they've all started to improve because they're starting to play regularly against teams of, you know, high-caliber strength, you know, basically full of NRL-quality players. Yeah. And that's made their nations get better and better and better and at a rapid rate to the point now that PNG and Tonga are now competitive. When I say competitive, I mean capable of beating because they have done. Teams like Great Britain, you know, and that has not taken long. And that's what we need to do is keep doing that so so that playing for their own nation is something that they look forward to doing because it's not like something they'll get to do whenever there's a World Cup year on. It's something they can do every goddamn year. Exactly. So you don't need to sit there and go, oh, I want to play international football, but we'll wait till there's a World Cup on. No, you can play it every year when Origin's on. You know, and, and the, what the thing you want is for a player like Jason Tamalolo to say, I'm not playing for Queensland. That, what, earn less money? Are you serious? That We want them to be earning more money playing international footy. And it's possible because it is international rugby league. You know, it is drawing in the entire world if you do it right. Mm-hmm. It, you know, and I just think the, the fact that the international rugby league chairman is worrying about state of origin football, it's like, are you serious? That's not your job. And it's the it's the last thing they need to worry about. Thomas, whatever your name is. Timbo. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Right. You purged. Well, on to the next thing. On to the yeah. next thing. Right. Okay. 
We've got our little announcement that you mentioned before. It's yeah, our... I, it's our announcement. Go on, you you say it. All right. Today marks our two years' birthday since our very first episode. Yes. And, you know, a few viruses aside, we probably would have cleared 300 episodes by now, but we've got to 290, so almost averaging, uh, you know, 150-odd a year or so. Just about. I think we're also averaging a close-to-death encounter for both of us. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. It's been pretty... Pretty phenomenal. Yeah. Pop out 290 episodes in two years. You know, the thing that people would find crazier than that is that it's about two years and five days since we first talked on Skype. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we basically just got stuck straight into it. All right, what do we do next? You know, I don't know. Can you record on Skype? Oh, you can. Oh, well, let's try that. It's the, you know, It's the most amateurish setup ever, but, you know. You're still here, and so are we. <laughs> yeah, something's Six working. Work. Absolutely. Um, oh, I was going to say something else then. Don't know. Who cares? Uh, so, yeah, happy birthday, mate. Yeah, happy birthday. It's been good fun, hey? Bloody oath. Yeah. Bloody oath it has. Um, what else have we got on? Actually, I was going to say, actually, that's what it was. Um, we're probably close to 300 episodes all up if you consider the live shows we've done that, haven't, that aren't included in that count. Oh, 100%, yeah. Like, I mean, we must have done, it's got to be close to 10 live shows. I think it's probably eight, seven or yeah. eight of them. And some of those are miles long. <laughs> oh, yeah. What was the Did, like, didn't we do a six-hour one or five-hour yeah, one? Yeah, we, like, we did. We did a double-header, I think. Yeah. Remember they had the, um, might have been for the Challenge Cup final, they had the 1895 Cup before it, which is like a mini Challenge Cup thing, but only for the teams that weren't in Super League. Yeah, it was like, I feel like Batley played in it for some reason. Something like that, yeah. yeah. We found that game more entertaining than the Super League one. Yeah, was that the, was that the year that the, the Challenge Cup final was an absolute snooze fest? Yeah, we thought St. Helens were going to absolutely flog whoever they were up against, and I think they got beat. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, who's surprised? <laughs> <laughs> um... But there you go. That was, uh, or it might have been the six hour. Might have been that international game we watched. Uh, ooh, let me think. Because, oh man, no, it was definitely. I'm pretty sure it was that English game one. Because I think we had okay. uh, Boogie come on. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah, Boogie come on. We had a was good it? yak. Yeah, that went off the off the rails in a few places. Um, what else have we got here? Ah, yes, the um. I don't know if anyone's seen this. The Parramatta Eels, mm. their uh, their social media caught a bit of a battering on the weekend. Yeah, they posted a photo of Scott Morrison wearing his Sharks gear that he bought like six hours before the game started. Yeah, um, and he's in the Parramatta sheds after the game, and he's not consoling his uh, his Parramatta his uh, Sharks team. Who, let's be honest. They battled on pretty bravely, considering they didn't get they didn't actually get to use a single interchange. Did you know that they didn't yeah. actually get to use no. one? You know, you get ten interchanges uh, per uh, game. Yeah, they were replacing injured people so early on they didn't they didn't even bring the cards out of the folder. They didn't get to use one interchange. Well, I didn't know that. Like I knew that they didn't have any players on their bench, but I didn't mm. know they didn't make one interchange. That's pretty crazy. So, 
And for all the criticism I've given Aaron Woods over the years, I've got to give him some credit here. He played the full 80 minutes in the middle, as did um, Hamlin Ueli, mm-hmm. as did Toby Rudolph. All, you know, use those quotation marks, middle forwards. And most of those guys usually play 20, 25 minutes in the first half, and then they come back on for about 20 minutes in the back end of the second half. And so they get that big gap in the middle. Mm-hmm. So all three of them had to play the full 80 minutes all the way through. And they did pretty bloody well. And it's not surprising that, you know, it wasn't until the last 15, 20 minutes that they just got too tired and Parramatta started to walk through them. Yeah. Um, unbelievable performance, though. But, uh, yeah, instead of consoling his team on a very brave effort, he's decided to, you know, skip over to Parramatta and cheer on with them. And the, the Eels Twitter account put up a, a photo with ScoMo in there with their players saying, he's ours now, Cronulla Sharks. And the Sharks didn't reply. But a lot of Parramatta fans did say, we don't fucking want him. And a lot of Sharks fans replying with, you can keep him. Yeah, and look, there was a... Then there was a picture that came out, and it might have been the same picture, I'm not sure. And in the background, there was, and I'm not going to name the person because all of this was thrust on her by others, okay? And, I like, I just think it's a bit of an unfair situation, especially when you consider the political climate in Australia at the moment. Um, and there's a picture of, and she's an eel staffer. Um, she's been described as the sports scientist, uh, and, and that's all I know of. I, I'm sure she's got a an area that she specialises in, and she's in the background. She's kind of got her arms crossed, and she's is looking on at at Scott Morrison, you know, sort of congratulating the eels, and she doesn't look impressed. I think is the way you could say it. <laughs> and people started posting this image and saying, like, and, and basically putting it into the current political climate on Twitter in Australia and basically using her to say, oh, look, look, you know, look, she feels the same way we all do or whatever. This is what other people are saying. And then she come out. And she tweeted in response to the photo, and this was her reply to it. She said, and I quote, I'm quoting this, I will not respect a man who has the time to shake hands of men who have won a football match, but is too busy to attend hashtag March for Justice. Now, March for Justice was a march that was held, I think it was about two, two weeks ago now. And it was held outside of state, uh, sorry, not state parliament. It was held outside of Australian Parliament House and around uh, different capital cities. And it was to protest about some of the things we're seeing happening in Parliament House in terms of the behaviour of different politicians. And so she posted that and then not too long after her post was deleted and her account was set to private. And it's it's caused a lot of... Um, Anguish? Yeah, and anger and people saying that this person has been um, censored by the club. And she's recently come out and said that she's had the full support of the club and things like that. 
and it's a really complex situation and, and there, I don't think there's it's not a black and white answer to this whole thing because I can see where the eels just didn't want to like they just want a football game everything's going all right for them and they all of a sudden they're dragged into a political thing and the eels also have the prime minister in their sheds and look all of these clubs they get grants from all political parties at some level and so they're all trying to grease the wheels with these politicians doesn't matter what side they're from and so they're trying to keep those wheels greasy i think it's fair to say and I, I just think they probably at some level didn't want to be attached to any of this stuff. Now, whether they told her to delete it or they suggested it or they did anything in, in terms of like, I don't know the pressure's the right word, but maybe suggest that she deletes it. It's an interesting situation. Yeah, I think um, I think for Parramatta, they. I'll, I'll say this: I think when the, when Scott Morrison appeared, and someone took the photo. I think their thought process was, "Oh, we'll just do a cheeky tweet to the Sharks about this, given mm-hmm. that he's a fan of them." Ha yeah. ha ha ha! And bang, pop it out there. Yeah. And um, I don't think it was intended to be anything more than just a cheeky jibe. Yes. However. Um, I think it was something that probably deserved just a little bit of thinking given the amount of drama that's been going on within um, Morrison's political party, you know, his mm-hmm. government. Mm-hmm. Um, lots of mistreatment of, of, you know, women or allegations of it especially. Um, and then you, you throw in there to the, the drama that went on with Jared Hayne and the, the verdict with him. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just something where you go, you know what? You, you kind of feel like they they just they've just not read the room very well on that one. You just and the thing is they've they've not removed the tweet. They've left their tweet up there. I would have thought that after they got the first barrage of tweets coming, they would have gone, yeah, you know what? Maybe we've done a, an oops here. Let's just click delete and move on. And they've just gone, no, nah, we'll leave it there. And I think that's the bit that probably is a bit irritating is the fact that they've now had time to think about it and they still think it's fine and they've left it there. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I, I don't know. It's a bit silly. It's yeah. Bit and, silly. The, and the thing is too, like, like I've got no problem with what their staff member said. I really don't. If that's how she feels that, that, that is completely fine. Uh, and so I don't want anyone to think that I, I'm against her being able to have a say or anything like that because that's not the case. But I think, and then there you go, but, you know, I think when you work for an organisation and these rugby league teams are public, you know, it's not like they're a bunch of plumbers. You know, it's not like they're an organisation that their entire existence kind of revolves around being very public and having a lot of public attention, having a lot of eyeballs, that's what pays the bills. And everyone in the organization, probably in their their contracts, has something written into it in terms of, 
you know, what they're able to say, what they're able to post. We've seen oh, of course. That. And we've of talked course. about this with Israel Folau a lot, you know. Yeah. And, you know, rightly or wrongly, that clause can be brought into effect in different situations. And, you know, I, you can in some ways see where the eels were coming from in that, that they just don't, they, they're a football team, you know. But, but at the same time, it's really reading the room wrong, as you say. Well, I think the thing that's um, that's a bit contradictory here is the fact that her her tweet, her comments have had to be removed. Mm-hmm. Yet their tweet about him being there and you know talking about that Parramatta now claim Scott Morrison as one of their fans has mm-hmm. remained. Yet her tweet's not the one that caused all the controversy. Yeah. Their, their social media one did from the actual official account did. And, and the other thing is too, it's like if they just if they were like, oh geez, look what this has caused. Let's let's get out of this. They would have got rid of all of that. You know. Yeah. Um, it's a it's a it's not a it's a horrible situation all round, and but it's a. I think it's an interesting one, and my question is: If it had it been a player that tweeted that, what would the what would the result have been? Would they? I think they would have made them delete it, but I'm not sure. You don't know. I don't know. It's it's an interesting one. I think, uh, you know, I think in the current climate too, um, it, it may also come across looking a bit a bit bad if she's been told to mm-hmm. remove her tweet. Mm-hmm. Given that um, you know women are actually getting their voice out now mm-hmm. more more than ever in, in a more um, um, passionate manner, mm-hmm. and because because of the power of social media, you can spread your message a lot more quickly, a lot more widely than mm-hmm. ever before, and so they're actually getting some traction with this thing now, and um, especially with the way they're being, you know. Some women have been treated in 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 government houses and stuff like that. Especially, I'm I I fully support what they're going through there because mm-hmm. some of the treatment some of those women are getting in there is just fucking deplorable. Mm. And yeah, for too long they've been kind of made or forced to be quiet. I hate to think that she's being made to keep quiet because of a very valid comment that she's made. Yeah, and and you know the and the first thing I thought of when I found out that the comment had been deleted, I thought of the women in league movement. And, you know, we've talked about before, like the women in league movement sometimes conveniently gets pushed aside when it's not convenient for rugby league authorities. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and like, that's what... That's what sometimes the women in league thing, it's frustrating because it can't be that way. You know, it, you know, women are as much part of rugby league as men. It, it, it's weird to think you got to say that, but it's just the case, you know, like. Yeah, I mean, as we've, I mean, we'll get to soon. I mean, they're now, they're not, they're not just the people who give birth to the football players. <laughs> no, no. Let's, let's start on the basic level there, shall we? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. They're, they're involved in the clubs at every single level along the way. They're sideline officials. They're referees. They've, they've got their own competition specifically for them. Mm-hmm. They are. 
they are intertwined in this game and have been from day dot and always will be. There's there's no there's no getting around that. No. And, and I just would I just I thought about like I hope this isn't another one of those cases where it's like women in league, but only when it's good for marketing, you know. And, and we've yeah. seen that a lot, and, and I really don't like that about the way that the NRL has handled women in league in terms of it being a concept rather than an act, what it actually is, which is like, you know, it, I, I, that that worried me. But she come yeah. out in a in an article, and, and I I'm calling her she because I don't want to use her name. I, I think it's man, she I'm sure she wasn't thinking all of this would happen when she was standing there in that dressing room. No, I, and I feel I feel sorry. I feel really really sorry that you know all of this is it would it would be really stressful. I'm sure, and I I think that both of us just hope that there's been no pressure applied to her. That's what it comes down to. Furthermore, I hope she's being supported by the NRL and the Paramount Eels and not yeah. abandoned by them. 100%. 100%. Because she's part of our game. She's part of our game as the players Bloody and the officials and the referees. And that we need to, I think as a sport, it's important that, you know, she's one of ours. That's the way I look at it. Yep. Fully agree. Um,. Man, we've hit some heavy topics already. I know, I know. It's uh, it, it's been a full-on podcast already. <laughs> it has. Um, let's see if we can find something a bit, a bit lighthearted to move on to. I got some. Uh, I got a couple of emails we could read. Well, that's that's something we could do. Um, I will say there's just a few little things here. Um, mm. there was talk recently that Jackson Hastings had been approached by the West Tigers. Yes. And apparently, um, I've not seen it, but I'd, I'd heard that apparently Jackson Hastings completely poo-pooed the plan. And I mean, okay. that, that's a typical West Tigers uh, approach, is we'll tell the media and hope that he comes aboard and goes, oh, I wouldn't mind going to the West Tigers, and then they contact the club. That's the approach they've used for many, many contract signings. Yeah. And it's a reason why they've made none of them. Oh, man, it's a rough one. They're geniuses. Yeah. Um, speaking of the Tigers, too, apparently there was a rumor coming out, they're looking at Brent Naden. Um, so they're going to move on from from Joe Lolua and then pick up Naden. Oh my fucking god, this club is so stupid. And who who was the player swap for again? I don't know Bronson Cherry. Why not fucking add into the mix? Is that, Michael Jennings the, free? If there was there was some player swap that they were suggesting would happen, I immediately tweeted today like, please take him. Because after all that bullshit in the grand final, I yeah. thought he should have been sacked immediately. And, uh, yeah, he's, look, he's not been part of their team this year so far, really. So, um, you know, I, I'm pretty happy with that. I just can't believe you do any of that stuff during the grand final. But, um, yes. Could the West Tigers just recruit normally, please, hey? Well, I'd like them to stop looking at fucking centres. <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> This is the for the last two weeks, and he's been trending. Most West Tigers fans have been going on about Luke Brooks and the halves and the West Tigers halves. Mm. The West Tigers have gone. People keep saying halves. We should probably get another centre. Mm-hmm. How the fuck do you come to that conclusion? <laughs> oh. 
At least oh. she's got a win on the weekend. Yeah, I, I, um, I remember looking at it at one stage uh, during the first half and watching Moses and Bai knock the ball on with the try line open and went, ah, it's one of those days again, is it? <laughs> so I sat down waiting for a laugh and just going, yeah, you know, the Tigers will let them back in after an hour and sure enough, they let them try it and then they managed to get one back and hang on for a win. It's like, well, that's a bit rare. Yeah, it was we'll it was it. a weird game. Like the, I mean, a win's a win, but the Knights were pretty pretty bad. They were crap. Yeah, I was shocked actually. Yeah, that's that's kind of like one of those losses you need to have to just sort of have a bit of a reset. Yeah. Um, they were they were crap. I think if you got the Knights and they were fifty percent better, which is still not great, they'd have beaten the Tigers pretty comfortably. Yeah, because I mean the Tigers. You know, clawed and scratched their way to a win, um, and, and it's two points. Like it doesn't matter how you get it, but yeah, I I think the thing that come out of it for me, first of all, I was happy you got a win. That was the first <laughs> thing. I was like, oh man, Andrew will be happy with that. The second thing was, I was like, wow, Newcastle. Like that's maybe the most disappointing loss I've seen from a team so far this season, um, because. If you're the Newcastle Knights and you watch the way the Roosters beat the West Tigers last weekend, man, you should have been you should have been thinking we're gonna we're gonna come in and really put it on them and and they didn't unfortunately. No, they didn't. They were pretty garbage. Um, I've got a few other things to talk about. Or should we do some emails? Well, I've got an email here. First of all, I, I want to say Daniel emailed us. Uh, Daniel. Matua, I hope I'm saying that right. He asked our opinions on the Warriors. Um, I finally saw them this weekend, which was awesome. And what a game to see them in. Um, and, and the things that I got out of it, they're, they're very, very big. I mean, even the, the Canberra Raiders are a big team. Mm. The Warriors are bigger than them. And we we know all about what the Raiders went through in terms of injuries. you got to overcome that. I don't want to hear any whinging. And the Raiders love a plucky loser, so they were happy at the end of the day. But uh, I was pretty impressed by the Warriors. The thing I was most impressed by was that their endurance during the game was pretty good. Um, There was a point where they looked a little bit like they were about to fade, and they didn't. They kicked it up another gear, which was really cool. So, yeah, I I was actually pretty impressed by the Warriors. And, you know, I think... It was a pretty warm day there down in Canberra. And, you know, they held on for the win. And it was, you know, at some point they come from behind from a long way. And then it was really like to and fro uh, for a while at the end. And they they come away with the win. But, um, yeah, I was pretty impressed with them. I I would like to see a few more games from them this season before I'm like really break them down. But, Man, I was cheering them on at the end of that game. I was, I was a Warriors fan at the end of that one, i got to say. There's two things that I've noticed about them in what I've seen from them so far this year, which is different, um, aside from the size that you mentioned, okay, is the fact that um, when they get behind, they don't put their heads down. Mm-hmm. That was something they used to do an awful lot. So you'd see, you know, if they held like a, a 12, 12-0 lead, or a 10-0 lead, and then the opposition scores two tries in about 10 minutes, and they, they start trailing. Yeah. More often than not, you'd see the Warriors can see one or two more tries in very quick succession, and then the game has just gone past them before they try and get back into it. But by then, it's too far gone. 
Yeah, that, that you know what? Now that you mention that, dude, like there was a couple of times in the in the game against the Raiders, and I was like, oh, the Raiders are going to kick on here and, and run away with it, because that's what you're used to from the Warriors. Yeah, but like they they, but at no point in this game did they look defeated. Like no, that's right. Yeah. And the other thing too is. Um, Tuvasa Shek is not the only person sniffing around the ruck looking for an offload anymore. Mm-hmm. You've got Nick Arima doing it. You've got Harris DeVita doing it. You've got a few of the backs as well. They're, they're coming in looking for the ball a bit more. Mm-hmm. And that means for an opposition team, you don't just need to look at one bloke all the time. I think, right, all we've got to do is shut him down. We should be fine. Yeah. There's so many other options. And uh, finally, that last tackle by RTS, everyone fucking raves about the fact and rightfully so, that he runs for 200 metres for more games than anybody else does in the game. He's phenomenal at it. Mm-hmm. Some of his goal line defence in the last few years since he's been at the Warriors has been just, you know, freakish. It deserves yeah. its own highlight reel. Yeah, it, he played amazingly. I love Nikarima. Like, there was a few times in that game, Nikarima, it might have been his best game I've ever seen him play. He was fantastic. Yeah, very solid all across the field. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. See, the Warriors have always been a team that I've always struggled to pick. Even when they've been in good form, I'm, I've always gone, yeah, they're due a bad one or they're due a good one. And I, I always get it wrong. Mm-hmm. But, um, I'm glad to see that they've had a good start. They tend to have really slow starts. Um, they're looking pretty good at the moment. And I'm, I think they're probably going to get a little bit better too. The defense is a little bit iffy sometimes in the middle. There were a few soft tries that Canberra scored in that game, which um, were a little concerning. But when you've got a bunch of big blokes who aren't too mobile left and right, and they're defending against a bunch of other big blokes, uh, you know, <laughs> you're going to let a few soft ones through, I guess. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they play against the Panthers, who have a, a little bit more of a mobile pack. Um, that's... And look, the Panthers are right now are the best team in the competition, so they're going to be the big test. But just their style of play is going to be a big test for the Warriors. It's going to be really interesting when those two teams play. Um, but I liked what I saw, you know, and that win. I mean, that was a that was one of those wins. That was a famous win, yeah. uh, and it was it was funny seeing the Raiders saying, "Oh, we we had a few decisions go against us." It's like. Please, you whinge into the wrong, the wrong opposition team. The poor Warriors. They're like, when was the last time the Warriors had something go their way? The Warriors go, oh, you had a few bad decisions, did you? Let yeah. me just break out my list. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, three weeks later, it's still unraveling. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that was interesting. Uh, we got another email here from Chris. He says, "Hear me out. I don't know." But if anyone can find a way, it's the Chooks. But the Roosters should sign James Maloney to replace Luke Keery. Mm, no, I don't think so. I like it. I think it's a good idea. Yeah, I, I don't know. One year, James Maloney, I reckon he could get you through the rest of the year. Oh, a lot of players could. See, this is the thing, though. I don't think... I don't think the Roosters with that back line mm-hmm. need that much of a playmaker. You know, they could get by with Luke Brooks or Chad Townsend at halfback. Perfectly fine. They just need someone to do a bit of general play, kicking and passing the ball onto, you know, any one of those absolute 
fucking X-factor behemoths they've got in the back line who can just score tries whenever the fuck they feel like it. That's all you need. They could put Blake Green there. It'd be fine. Ooh. Tim Smith, is he, is he still alive? They could give him a jumper. He'd do fine. Uh, he, okay, he's... Paul Kent. Uh, Paul Kent could do whoa, it. I mean, he's whoa, undefeated. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Back up. <laughs> You're going to say some stupid shit right now, Andrew. Back it up. <laughs> <laughs> so I think I'm worried about the Roosters making the finals. How about oh, that? That no, no, that's that's a genuine risk. Given that they lost, I mean, Kiri's out for the year now. Yeah, but given that they lost Lamb as well, mm-hmm. um, they've got Hutchison there, who is I think he's more of a six than a seven. Mm-hmm. Um, he'll be able to fill one spot. I don't know who they've got to replace. Um, Kiri though, I don't know if he's. Brock Lamb still at the club, or did he leave? I think he's gone over to England. Um, yeah, but they just need a, a general seven. They could probably, if they wanted to, and what they should do, in all honesty, is contact Tom Dearden up at the Broncos and say, "Hey, mate, you want to be in a want to be in the Broncos side? You know, a side that didn't win the wooden spoon last year. We'll give you a permanent gig this year. <laughs> you prove yourself. We'll give you a jumper. You can be the six next year. What if the and- Bronc? What if the Broncos have and I don't know that they've made this decision yet, but just say the Broncos say, okay, we're going with Dearden from now on. What if the Broncos offered Croft to the Roosters one year, boom? I think the Roosters take it. I do as well. They don't need much of. They don't need much in the way of a playmaker. It'd be good but, for Croft as well, I reckon. Yeah, because if he's think about it, the the Roosters pack is very very solid, mm-hmm. and they've got a really good bench rotation. So it's they've always got good go forward, which is always good for any halfback. doesn't matter who they are. And then you've got all of those X factors, X factors in the back line there. And Tedesco's now getting more involved as a playmaker in the, you know, when they're closer to the line, which takes a bit more pressure off the halves as well. You don't need that much of a, you don't need an X factor in the halves. You just need someone who can get the basics done. And that's pretty much it. Um, and I think Croft would be able to do that comfortably. Yeah, so do I. I it's it's interesting, though. I I really do. I, I've just got a feeling that the roost like it wouldn't take much for the Roosters to just not make the finals. And because I really felt like Kiri, you know, he 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 was a big difference for them. And you know, I I talked a little bit in the the. Uh, pre the preview for the season how you know they'd lost a little bit i thought it was a bit of an off season for the roosters not a premiership tilt i thought it was one of the the down seasons that we're going to have not too bad just not you know among the the really top teams and losing kiri i mean i i don't know i i just look at their team and i just i really worry about it i i think that their back line is going to struggle to get quality ball I think Tedesco, he's the one player you've got to shut down now. Their forwards are, are pretty good, but, you know, and they desperately need Radley back. But then Radley comes back and it's like, well, you kind of have to play him at hooker now. And that takes away that X factor in the forwards that he is when you bring him on as a forward off the bench. And I reckon if, if Sam Verrills is fit around the same time that Radley is, I'd be putting Radley at nine and put Verrills in the halves, and that solves one problem. 
Because Veros is a pretty pretty handy playmaker, I think. Mm-hmm. And plus, he's he's reasonably good defensively, so it helps helps the defensive line remain pretty solid, if not improved a little bit. Yeah. Um. So I I think they've got they've got workarounds they can use, mm-hmm. but they are their workarounds for a reason. They're not going to be as good as when as having Kiri there. Um. So it depends on who they put in the halves as to how they'll go this year. Yeah. I think on paper they should still make the eight, mm-hmm. but it does depend on what goes on those halves. There. To, to lose both halves in one game, both with knee injuries, yeah. um, bloody hell, that's that's rough. Yeah, it really is. It was uh, what a, what just a horror game for them and, I mean, Kiri, is, when you saw him grabbing the back of his leg and you were like, oh, man, what's he done here? This He's going to be out for a little bit here. And then when you saw the replay and no one had touched him, it was like, oh, man. When, yeah. And that's the thing, too. When you see, them, see him get up and he's able to limp but still walk off on his own, mm-hmm. I know it sounds weird, but that's usually a sign that it's a bad one. Because the, yeah. the MCL is really... Um, yeah, you know, the pain is a lot more intense, but the severity of the injury is not as bad because it's more to the side, I think. But the yeah, well, ACL is much more complicated and it's a bit harder to get at, which is why yeah. it takes a lot longer to, to repair and fix. I've heard the ACL injury is extre- like like one of the most painful things you can do immediately, but very quickly it's, uh, it, it's not that painful. And that's why you see them walk off the field with it sometimes. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's oh, what a just a shock and injury, and I, you know, it just it takes what I feel as though was going to be a pretty solid season for the Roosters. Like they weren't going to be bad. Though I, I think we still had them as a top four team, yeah. but now I think they're down to that Newcastle. I wouldn't say. Um, Sharks level, but I think they're definitely Newcastle sort of level if Newcastle plays to their potential. Not Newcastle last week, of course. Yeah, that's right. I, that was pretty average last week. Yeah. Um, yeah. Any any more of the emails? Yeah, we got a, another email here from Tom from Brisbane. He says, "Hi boys, I'm a regular listener and fellow rugby league tragic." I would like your opinions on the lack of forwards spoken about as potential rugby league immortals and why you think this is the case. And he says, maybe it's media bias. He says, aside from Arthur Beetson, who are the best 10 forwards to play rugby league? My list in no particular order would include, and this is his list, Steve Menzies, Sam Burgess, Gordon Tallis, Paul Gallen, Ben Kennedy, Ruben Wickey, Adrian Morley, Bradley Clyde, Shane Webke, and Glenn Lazarus. He says, Paul Harrigan, oh, and Paul Harrigan, sorry. Uh, Who am I missing? I know I have suggested 11, but it's (laughs) tough to narrow it down. Cam Smith is on hold for five years before I consider him. Thanks for the fantastic content and all that you do, Tom from Brisbane. Thanks for that one, Tom. That's a really good one. Yeah. Um... Well, he's, he has forgotten. There is there are a few forwards in the Immortals list. I mean, you've got Johnny Raper, mm-hmm. uh, Frank Burge. Mm-hmm. Um, I've got a feeling there might be someone else. 
can't remember what more. Yeah. Did they finally put me Did they finally Yeah, Norm Proven, yes. Yeah. That's the other one. Um, but there's also uh, Duncan Hall, Herb Peace Steinort from the, from the early days. Jeez, mm-hmm. um, who else can you... I mean, Ron Coote was an absolute bloody legend. Um, Bob yes. McCarthy. Bob McCarthy. Yeah. Uh, just trying to think of some players who didn't just play in 1908. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, there's a fair few. I'd I'd be trying to spread them out a bit. I think. Yeah. Um, no criticism here to uh, to to the email there that was sent in. Uh, I think that though is how what you know how the media works is that they do actually use a lot of recency bias mm-hmm. because oh we've seen them. And that's that's all they go off. But there's there were so many great players from you know prior to games being telecast all the time, mm-hmm. who you just got to read what you know what their peers wrote about them, what the journo's wrote about them at the time. And I say, Carney, you know, yeah, he'd be one I'd consider. Yeah. Barry um, Beath. Uh, yeah, you know, there's just so many of them, especially around the the 60s and 70s because mm-hmm. the game then was becoming, you know, it was transitioning from being unlimited tackles mm. to limited tackles and then went into that really grubby, rough as guts period of the 70s. Yeah. Yeah. Forwards just had to be fucking tough but also had to have a bit of skill because um, I don't think a lot of people realise when we went from unlimited tackles which is kind of like rugby union, but with a play the ball instead of that weird rock and mall thing. Mess, yeah. Um, we went from that to four tackles. So the sets would, you know, most of the game was played in the middle and sets were over really fast. Mm-hmm. So that was why Arthur Beaton stood out because he was, you know, a huge unit in the fours who could make big meters up the middle, but also had the ball skills mm-hmm. to create opportunities with second phase play. And that's kind of where a lot of that sort of, you know, started from. And you find that the, the really good forwards are the ones who get copied. Yeah. Um, Bradley Clyde, Ray Price, Wayne Pierce. These guys all took fitness to another level and they had a fair bit of skill in there. Um, Ray Price is another one I think you'd have to consider. Yeah. And you don't, it's odd, you don't get, you don't hear of them in the conversations too much anymore. No, and like, and I think the reason why we don't hear about forwards is because obviously you get drawn towards the spectacular players and they're normally backs. Yeah, Um, that's right, elf halves. And this is the other thing too, I think the forwards who tend to stick out are not the workhorse ones. mm -hmm. They are the ones like um, Arthur Beetson. They're going to be like Steve Means. He's just scored a shit ton of tries. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, dare I say, just, and I'm not saying that he should be in there. I'm just using it as an example. But someone like Andrew Fafita, who has that little bit of X factor about him where he can put on a step, he can run through, he can he can throw a pass, you know, a good ball as a pass. Mm-hmm. He can run with the ball sideways like a 5-8th would and try and get a, a, a runner to run off him. You know, those sort of plays just stand out a bit more because they do something different. Mm-hmm. But, and, you know, the media is easily, um, you know, 
I suppose, fooled by those sort of people because they're doing something different. They immediately go, oh, he's someone. You go, yeah, but at the same time, they're ignoring those people who would just do 30, 40, 50 absolutely monstrous tackles every week and run rock-hard lines the whole time. People like Shane Webke, Petros Ivanoseva. Um, Lazarus. Lazarus, good example, who would just, just tradesmen. Yeah. You know, and then you get people like Steve Roach who just had unbelievable offloads. There still hasn't been a prop forward as good as offloading as frequently as, as Blocker did. And that's the thing people don't realise. A lot of people just see Blocker Roach as the bloke who patted Eddie Ward on the head and would get in the fights a fair bit. But um, he was a genuine, uh, genuinely skilled player, and he did a lot of a lot of hard yakker in the middle as well. Yeah, and there's a reason why he played so many test matches and origin matches. And, uh, like, he come out of an era that was not the most skillful era in rugby league. But because of his ability, he was able to he was able to still be a top player at his position as that transition happened where you got the Clydes and the you know, the Pierces and you know, Gaia and all these players come through that were a different sort of player, different athletes. Sirenin was another one. Um it, but Blocker was still able to be part of that because his game was so all-rounded like that. He wasn't just a bash and barge player. That's right, yeah. So as far as getting a, a, a 10, uh, I, that's hard. That's I, getting I, 10. Yeah, I can't do that now. <laughs> yeah, what if we do What if we do an episode like that in the next week? Because like, yeah. for people that don't know, me and Andrew will dead set sit here for three hours like staring at the steel and going, uh, 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 like, and and we'll toss up names, and and it'll be a three-hour process where we won't name these players until we're really bloody happy with the players. Exactly. Um, but what just one of those random things we like to do too. Yeah, no, and normally we don't record it. <laughs> yeah, we we've yeah you know, we've recorded two hundred ninety episodes. I'm pretty confident that at least one hundred and twenty of our best ever episodes have never been recorded. Never, ever, yeah. We've, we've had some of the most in-depth, geeky rugby league conversations, at, like going into 4 a.m., where we're, like, talking about what happened in 1932 in round eight, because it's like, you know, it's 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 incredible. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was a good email. Yeah, that was a really good email. I'm looking forward to doing that, our top ten forwards of all time that aren't already immortals that'll be really good yeah uh is that is that it for the emails yeah yeah that's all the emails we've got nice all right we'll get on to the last bit of stuff we've got here mm-hmm. I'll, we've got one big talk point we'll leave that to the end um channel nine being hacked you, you told me about this story what was this about yeah okay so this was a, this was really interesting. So I saw the other week that Channel Nine were doing this. They were doing some special, you know, because everything's special these days. Where they were talking about some stuff that had happened internationally, and they were blaming a foreign government for it, right? Mm-hmm. And and I was like, oh man, that's you know, interesting that they're doing that. Anyway, on Sunday, the NRL Footy Show wasn't on in Sydney. The AFL one was on, 
and they said they were having technical difficulties and people were like, oh man, you know, this AFL stuff, it's terrible. Can't watch this. And then later in the day, Channel 9 had said that they had been um, basically attacked with a cyber, I know, attack, I guess you'd call it, and that it had affected their broadcasting. And so they had had to broadcast things out of out of Melbourne for some of the day. And it was really interesting because, like, if that if that is the case, you would think that the Australian government and the authorities would be right on top of that because, you know, that's a that's a cyber attack. That's pretty important stuff, especially to a broadcast. Like what happens if you have to do an emergency broadcast through all the broadcasters and they can be, you know, the victim of a cyber attack. It's not a good thing. But it, it was really interesting to hear all this news come out about it. Anyway, I heard on a Channel 9-owned radio station this evening and they were talking about, um, oh, that you know, this cyber attack, and it was on the biggest network in Australia. They didn't target Channel 7. They didn't target the ABC. They targeted the biggest network in Australia. And I'm thinking, well, they don't win all the ratings and they haven't got the biggest number of stations. How are they the biggest network? It's going to be. <laughs> but uh, it was really interesting to hear that that had happened. Mm. And but then I thought, like, if you were going to do a cyber attack on Channel Nine, why would you stop the NRL footy show from being shown? Like, wouldn't wouldn't you do it in prime time or something? Like, say you were the person that was doing the cyber attack and you went to your boss and you said, "Hey, I did a cyber attack on Channel Nine, and then they were like, "Oh, wow, what did you what did you do?" And they said, "Well, we stopped the Sunday afternoon footy show." That person would be fired. Let's say. <laughs> You do understand what the word attack means, don't you? Like, what you did was help them. That's that's a cyber assistance. Yeah, it's just weird. I found the whole thing strange. Hmm. It is a bit weird. Yeah. Well, that's that's an interesting story. Mm. More developments later on the biggest network in the world. More as it comes to hand. Yeah, Danny White will bring us up to date with that one. Yeah, and he's right here. Yeah. Um. All right. Uh, we've got a few here. Let's see. Yeah. In the in the West Tigers Knights game, here we go. Mm-hmm. There was a oh, moment, yeah, late in the first half, mm-hmm. where Jaden Braley put in a kick from inside his own forty, and it was for all money. It was going to be a forty twenty. Dane Laurie miraculously tapped it back in field. Um. But he's tapped it back in. It's gone back towards the West Tigers' goal line as the Knights are coming down to, you know, either score a try or round him up either way. He runs out of the field of play. He comes back into the field of play. He jumps in the air, I guess, or maybe it's part of his running, to get the ball. And there's, you know, it's, for me, it's pretty clear when you look at the the replay that his foot hasn't quite touched the ground by the time he's touched the ball, which means it should have been called a 40-20 because mm-hmm. he, he touched the ball while he was out of the field of play. But it's called play on. Um, a lot of people are quite clear that it was a blatant knock-on. I thought it was not that clear-cut. Um, 
And in the end, I mean, the Tigers do what they always do, and they you know turn the ball over on the twenty, just three tackles later anyway. So <laughs> yeah. the Knights got what they what they were supposed to get anyway. Yeah, but um, God sometimes just say no, we're undoing that. Yeah, sometimes the rugby league gods overrule the bunker. Yeah. We'll sort this shit out. Just You just sit back there and watch, okay? Um, I, I didn't think it was that big a deal because, you know, sometimes shit just happens like that. It wouldn't have been too easy to call on the fly. I must admit, initially, I thought I thought the touchy was a bit further back. Mm-hmm. One looked at it, they were actually probably about 15, 20 metres away. Mm-hmm. But still... I don't think it'd be easy to find, you know, to watch it at playing speed if the foot has just touched the ground or at the same time he grabs a ball. Um, but there you go. I, I didn't think it was that big a drama. Mm-hmm. Um, you, though, you're I outraged. Say it that way. <laughs> you're outraged. <laughs> yeah, I think yeah, I heard you talking about you want to bring back the guillotine. How dare you? How dare you? You can't say that. <laughs> You, want, you wanted all the rules changed? I believe oh, you said yeah. you wanted to go back into the ocean, get I, open the vault, and you're going to pull the rules out? You're going to change them all again? Rewrite them all in a different language? I was going to pull the Tesseract back out the ocean because nothing ever happens bad when that happens. Okay, so, <laughs> I look, I thought when I saw it happen in real speed, I thought, well, he's out. And then when they didn't call it, I was like, wow, that's a really bad call. And then we saw the replay, and I, th- I thought the touch judge was in a really good position, as you said, to to make the call, and they made a really bad call on that one. Um, I don't think it was up to the referee in that situation. I think it was definitely the touch judge. Well, and, no, it's a touchy job. It's a side yeah, one. Yeah, and, and look, that's the sort of thing I think it's fair to hold a touch judge accountable for because that's their job. It's... You know, you got to. If you can't work out when a player is in touch or out of touch, that's like what you're there for. And you know, I I think it would have been fair if they had said, "Look, we're dropping the touch judge for a week over that one." Um, the rugby league gods worked it out, as you said, but you copped some flack over it apparently on Twitter. Oh, some bloke was was going on about you know this is why you shouldn't have women involved in the game, and I called him a fuckwit. Yeah. Like, this if gender's got anything to do with how how well you can officiate a game of football. Fuck yeah, off. Exactly. Yeah, that's silly. <laughs> it's silly. But uh but yeah, just the I I thought the the call was wrong and um it happened like and it's the same thing with the video referee. I think when the video referee gets the call wrong, I mean you can't really drop them. What do you drop them them to? But I think when VCR, the official, <laughs> maybe Betamax. What if they have to go to a, a different bunker? <laughs> Where would that like the current bunker? I'm pretty sure is in Redfern. Where would uh, oh, a imagine if the next bunker was a downgrade and you've got to use those old old uh, film rules from the 1920s and you've got to manually crank the handle yourself? <laughs> That's what they've got to do. They've got to develop the film themselves. Oh man, that would be great. Frame but, by frame. Like and and we see referees get dropped for bad decisions, um, and and so I thought that that was the sort of mistake that that we might have seen the the touch judge dropped for just because it was it was a pretty bad one but you know that's the thing about bad decisions in footy games like they tend to even out over the course of either the game or the season and i or or three minutes yeah three minutes (laughs) if that two minutes (laughs) what if what if 
everything goes the Tigers' way all season, every decision. And every single time Gray Manisley reviews it, he comes out and he says, they've got Moses and by. I mean, give him a break. Exactly. <laughs> Tell you what, that's who the, the Roosters should get to fill in their, their problem in the halves. Oh, yeah, Moses and by. That's it. Do you reckon... Trying to think, he's got two years left on his contract. And bye. Mm. No, I think he's in his last year. Okay. Yeah. What if if the Roosters played? I mean, obviously they could only pay like a. Rooster. I don't mind if the Tigers pay for him in full to play at the Roosters. I'm <laughs> fine with that. That's a good investment. <laughs> That's fair enough. <laughs> Can you? I wonder if there's any sort of clause in the NRL's contract system that would allow the West Tigers to pay a player in full to play for another club? Or if they, if the NRL would say, no, we can't have that, you've got to pay a percentage of no, that. It, it does happen. Like you hear sometimes there'll be, I mean, it happened at Penrith and the, and the West Tigers an awful lot back in there. Um, yeah, days when they had a lot of players that would come through and they'd sign them on three-year deals and they'd ditch them for a year or two. And they'd go and play with another club. You know, the Tigers would be paying their salaries they're at another club. They did it with Aaron Woods. They'd signed him to this long deal. Oh, Bryce Gibbs is a better example. Oh, yeah, that's so right. They extended Bryce Gibbs for another two or three years and then they ditched him three months later. And he spent his he spent nearly his whole time at the Cronulla Sharks being paid by the Tigers. It's kind of crazy, hey? Yeah, well, it's kind of normal. <laughs> yeah, it's actually the most normal contract they've ever signed. Yeah, yeah um, that's kind of what they do. Yeah, it's um. No, I did have, I did have one one stat which did trigger someone, which was funny. What was that? Um, every time that a team has won twenty four twenty, which is the scoreline that the West Tigers beat Newcastle by mm-hmm. in round three, they've gone on to finish ninth. Mm-hmm. But it only happened once. It was Canterbury in twenty eleven. Yes. And uh, this person who's a West Tigers fan and their Twitter bio is Don't simply... say their Twitter name. Don't say No, no, I'm not saying it. Their okay. Twitter bio simply says ninth. So yeah. they're making the same joke. Mm-hmm. And they got triggered by this. They said, so one team ever, what a shit stat. Mm. And I went, wow. Uh, I'm not going to go through a fucking conversation, but this bloke just didn't realise that I was making the same joke that he was. Mm-hmm. And uh, he then said I had mental illness <laughs> purely because I wasn't biting and attacking him and shit. It's kind yeah. of funny how something so mundane yet obvious can make some people get so aggressive. It really is. It's And, like, I see it with you a lot because, like, when I read your tweets, they're so inoffensive like they they're literally just like that's about as if that's and like that's the joke the joke is that it's happened once before that's the joke and so oh, and, and that it, and that it did lead to someone finishing ninth and the west tigers finishing ninth all the time is something that just it's another joke as well yeah perfect yeah and and so i retweeted it actually cuz i thought man that's that's a good one and uh it's weird that same people get angry at you about like it's not even like you're forming opinions. You're literally saying this is a an actual statistic, and I'm putting it onto Twitter, and people will get angry at you about the statistic. I know, it's mad. Yeah. Oh, people are so they they're so cranky about stats. 
They really are. I did a tweet about. Uh, I said. I, I I said that state of origin should be you play for the state you were born in, and that's it. There's no loopholes. If you were born in Australia, but you were born outside, I, I didn't care. I just that was it. And I said I, I'm not discussing it. And of course, everyone wanted to discuss it with me. <laughs> and I I just so I've I've. I'm almost at a point with my Twitter feed and, and like if you listen and you tweet me, you know that we have conversations, you know, we, you know that we talk, but I'm almost at a point where I'm, I'm going to tweet and I'm not going to discuss anything ever again. I'm just going to, the tweet is there. You can consume it. You can like it. You can not like it, but I will not enter discussion over it. That's just what I'm thinking. Cause you know, I've had some really, really good conversations about footy on Twitter over the last few weeks. But then I, I see, like, when people get angry at you at stats, and I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, the the ones you get angry at stats, I, it seriously doesn't worry me. I, I, I find it so funny. And I, Damn. To, to the point that I will always reply just to sort of egg them on and make it, make it get worse. <laughs> I have seen you put people on a hamster wheel pretty well. <laughs> <laughs> Doing this shit for my own amusement in the end. Yeah. But there you go. That, that's always funny. Some people just like to be outraged. Um, now, yes. one last thing here. Because mm-hmm. this has come up mostly because of two games this in the last week, and that was the, the Raiders versus Warriors game, mm-hmm. where the Raiders lost three players um, uh, by halftime. I think they only had one, one interchange for the rest of the game. Yeah. And then the Sharks... Lost there, lost four players before half time. So they had to play the entire, well, I think the last 56 minutes of the game with no interchange. Um, and as I was saying to you before the, we started recording, each team gets 10 interchanges to make every game. And because the Sharks players were dropping so much so quickly in the first half, they didn't even get to make one interchange. Because mm. every time an injured player come off, another one goes on. That doesn't count as an interchange. Yeah. They, were, they were head knocks. Yeah. So the discussion has come out, and that is, should there be an 18th sub who would be available to clubs in the case of head knocks, I think is what they're trying to get at. And I know we touched on this in recent episodes. And I said, um, I'm all for it so long as it can only be used once one player has been ruled out of the game because of HIA. I can't use it for anything else. And Yeah. And I was, I wanted, I was against it. Yeah, yeah. Um, for the same, I think you're against it for the same reason. And um, I apologise for saying this in advance. Um, that people like Paul Kent are against it. You're in agreement with him. That, um, yeah, coaches will always find a way to rot a system. Yeah. And I do agree with him in that sense. He's he's right there because they've always done it. Yeah. Um, because this. The you know the history of the interchange in Australia, especially, came about because of player injuries. And so the first rule was, okay, if you we'll let you have because it uh, used to be you you named your thirteen players. That was it. Yeah. And so you're allowed to have a, an interchange player, but you could only use them in the first. You could only use them in the first half. So if someone got injured in the second half, stiff shit, you're down to twelve. Mm-hmm. And then, and that that was a rule that came in, I believe, in the twenties. Mm-hmm. Prior to that, if you lost a player to injury, 
you know, you're down to 12. That's it. You, there were no interchanges whatsoever. So, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was the mid to late 20s. You were allowed to have one one sub, and they could only be used in the, you know, they could only come on before halftime. After halftime, you can't use them. And wasn't there a rule, too, where at some point, like, your your sub had to have played reserve grade yes. as well. So, so they this, didn't have fresh legs. That's right. So this came in, I think, in the oh, maybe late 60s, I'm guessing. Mm. Not sure. I'll have to check it out. But, yeah, they had to have played, um, I'm not sure if it was a full game, but at least half a game in lower grades. Mm. And that rule stayed in place until the early 90s. And then they came in with, you were allowed to have two substitutes that were fresh, which I think was, geez, I'm, I'm going to stop my head, 92-ish, 93-ish, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then it got expanded out to four interchange players. And then we had that weird period where you could use as many to change as you want. That was great. <laughs> oh, that was that was so so horrible. And then they changed it so it was I can't remember. Was it sixteen changes you could make? And then they scaled back to fourteen, then to twelve, and now ten. Ooh, that's a good. Question. I feel I don't feel like it was sixteen. I feel like it was fourteen the first time. Okay, it was something like that. Yeah, yeah. I know they they scaled it back a few times. Yeah, that's kind of how it's worked ever since. Yeah. And I think it's at a really good level now. It is. I think, though, if there's... I mean, I suppose the way around it is if you lose... You know, if we're going to be really picky with it. If you lose two players to HIA, um, you know, head knocks, and they've been ruled out because of the head knocks, then and only then should you be allowed to use the 18th sub, possibly. You know, you have to lose two players, not just one, but two. Um, so you can actually only use it when there's when it's an extreme case. Well, look, I want to say I've been really steadfast on I like the number of interchanges we're allowing, and I I think you name your your 17 men, you've got your 13 on the field, your four on the bench, and I don't want to budge from that. This last round of football is the first time ever that I've thought to I've I've felt like they need more. And, And like you know, I've been rock solid on it. Yeah. But this last round of footy was, and look, it's one round. We've got to remember that. It might just be an outlier. But the way that the game is being played right now, it's been played pretty fast. Um, and there's a lot of attrition, and I think we all wanted that. And we, I, I, like, I, I know I like seeing the attrition in the game. And I think that that's something rugby league needs to have because it's it's part of rugby league. It's part of, you you know, you overcome the attrition factor. But, but this last round, I, I did. I I was thinking, do I need to rethink the way I'm thinking about the bench? Be, it, you know, do we need to have six players on the bench and keep it the same number of interchanges, but you have six players? Um, I don't know what the ideal situation is. I think that you can't do it over a... I don't think you can make changes on one weekend. That's for oh, sure. Oh no, no, no! I think that's something I, I'll agree with you on there. We mm. can't be we can't be rushing in changes now based no. on essentially just two games. Yeah. Um. It was also a shocking week for injuries. Um, twenty odd players went down with either an injury or a head knock. Yeah, just a crazy it, weekend. It was, and and we had a couple of teams. Well, like, I mean, we had at least three. Like, the 
the Raiders, they just, you know, at, at some point you just have bad luck sometimes. And the Raiders and Sharks definitely had bad luck. And the, the Roosters, I mean, geez, the poor buggers, they, they had bad luck too. Um, how often do we, how, how often have we ever, like, I can't remember ever seeing three teams have that sort of injury luck in one round. That's right. And, and having an outlier like that is a concern, but I, I don't think you can rush in an interchange rule of any kind because the like we we you want to look after the players, but as soon as you have extra players on the bench that are fresh, coaches will use it because that's what they do, yeah. and it's not nice. It, it is super cynical, but the coaches won't care. No, that's right, and I mean that's what they do. Mm. And then you'll have these super sub players like Victor Rappi, who'll just be sitting there being this eighteenth man the whole time, but they can just do anything when they get on the field. Well, and like, what happens if you know? And you've got to look at you've got to play devil's advocate with these things because too often we put in rules and we don't have someone playing devil's ad- advocate, and they get exploited. What happens if you have an eighteenth player on the bench? who is just a, a giant, just an absolute giant. They've got very little stamina. They can give you 15 minutes, but they're like a 150-kilo monster. And, you know, if one of your players gets a head knock, they come onto your bench. You can carry that player. If it's late in the game and you need someone to break it open and you run out there and you say to you, a player you can maybe do without or who was looking a bit tired – you know, say you've got a head knock, go in for a tackle and stay on the ground so we can bring in on our, you know, incredible Hulk off the bench. And that's the worry. Yeah. Uh, so they've got to bring in, yeah, I believe, pretty strict stipulation. As I said, I think if you made it so that if you lost two players to head knocks, mm-hmm. so make it specific and make it more than one, makes it a bit harder to rot. And they yeah. both both players have to be ruled out. It can't be one ruled out and one's deemed okay. They both have to be ruled out. Mm-hmm. And as I said before with HIAs, because um, the concern was always if you have a free interchange for HIAs, refs will just start making players go down and clutch at the back of their head or their neck or something like that and go, oh, it's a HIA and come off. Yeah. Um, and that's going to get milked. And it kind of has been already. Yeah. I always said that in order to get around that, if you come off for HIA, whether you get cleared or not, you have to miss the next week to make sure that your, you know, your brain is all in good condition and you're back to 100%. You're back to baseline, essentially. And that would stop coaches trying to exploit as much, knowing that they're going to lose that player if they go with that ploy. I think you know, if you were I... to bring that in as well yeah. as saying you have to have two players ruled out failing HIAs in order to use that in sub, because you're putting so many, you know, so many little attachments to it, mm. it's making it harder for the referee to, uh, sorry, for the coach to abuse it. And it's also making it, I dare say, yeah, the the downside is it does mean that player welfare is not being considered as much as what people want it to be because you're making it so hard for the 18th man to come on. But that's not really player welfare. That's more of a team welfare thing as far as the scoreline is concerned. I wonder if you could have a rule where you, you name your your four interchange players. You have 
two on the bench. You have two extras, sorry, on top of that, which are for if you get players that can't return from HIA. Extend it out so that you can only use those players if you get two or more HIA players that can't come back, right? Mm. But the penalty, and, and it's it's penalty is not the right word for it, if you have to engage those extra two players, those two players have to be named in your top 17 for the following week. Does that make sense? Yeah. So that you can't use them in that super sub role. They become part of your greater first grade squad. And I'm, if you do have to call on them, they're in your team next week. I've got a better idea. Okay. The opposition team gets to pick your 18th sub. You know, I, th- I thought of that earlier today, and uh, the only th- reason I don't like it is because I don't like the idea of teams picking other teams' squads. No, no, Even no, if no, it's I mean, one player. The thing, thing is, okay. Yeah. You know, you're the Panthers. You still name your list of, you know, 21 players for the week. Yeah. Okay. So the 18th sub has to be picked out of that that 21. So you're still having a large amount of control over it. Yeah. You pick your normal 17 and then your remaining four players that you put on the extended bench, mm-hmm. they're all just going to be super subs. And you say, right, you've got to pick the who you think is going to be the least impactful out of those if they get on the field. And so you still got some control over it. Yeah. I, like I, I, yeah, I look, that would be the fairest way to do it. I just don't like the idea of like, Mike McGuire has to sit around waiting for a phone call from Craig Bellamy to let him know who he can use as his 18th man. Like, there's something wrong about that to me. No. But it, it would be... <laughs> no, no, seriously. I, I, I get what you mean, yeah. Yeah. Like, I like... When it comes to rugby league rules, I feel like there needs it needs to be natural in some ways. That's why I don't like the... Um, you know, some of the rules they bring in where it's like um, you kick the ball dead and you get seven tackles. It's like, what's that about? That doesn't seem natural. All of a sudden you have an extra tackle. Like I, I like my rugby league rules to feel like they're a natural part of the game. And Common I feel sense. like that's unnatural in some yeah. way. Common sense. Y- well, yeah, but yeah. I don't like to say that those words in rugby league because they don't exist in rugby league. Well, we can work on it. Like that can be our legacy to rugby league. We'll try and apply common sense to it. Try and apply common sense, man. It's not going to be much of a legacy. You're going to chuck that out. That'll that'll make keep us busy for the next two years. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Look, but yeah, that last weekend was the first time I sort of thought to myself, I think maybe I need to reassess my four four interchanges and eight changes a game thing because man there, there was a lot of attrition but damn yeah. i i enjoyed the i'm enjoying rugby league this year i think that the game has been great it has been pretty pretty good so far mm. um you know it's been really good if you haven't watched too many uh too much west tigers games too they're still really frustrating to watch the only things i would say i don't like there's too many six again calls and this thing of taking points off with the bunker when they... Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, jeez. I'm over that that again. I'm over that already. Yeah, that's horrible. 
no other sports to go around there taking points off the scoreboard. That's just stupid. Yeah, I agree. But anyway, I think we've covered a shitload. Yeah, this has been a really uh, varied and intense episode. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I think we've we've managed to taper off comfortably at the end. We have, yeah. I'm sorry for my rant at the beginning. It just, I was very upset all day about that. And, you know... Got to, got to let the uh, got to let the cat out of the bag at the start and just let him go nuts. Yeah, true. And the thing is, like, I love Jason Tamalolo. My phone is named Jason Tamafono. <laughs> like, so I'm not even joking. And it's uh, red. I got the red one because it reminded me of Jason Tamalolo wearing the Tongan jersey. Like, and I'm and I'm not Tongan. I, it's just I absolutely love him. He's an he is an immortal in my have, opinion. Have you got some whiteout and put the number thirteen on the back? I considered it. <laughs> I, I I considered getting uh, a a custom like cover put on it that made it look more like his jersey. But uh, like when I bought this phone, and I don't know what it was about it, it just was like. Oh, that's like that Tongan Red and Jason Talmalolo, and I called it Jason Talmafono, and um, like I so it's not like I don't like Jason Talmalolo. He's like, oh my god, I love watching him play, um, and so and it I I just hate the idea that that great Tongan legend, international rugby league legend. What, the greatest lock forward in all time, in my opinion, and I know that's a massive call that you're probably cringing at right now. Yes. And plenty are, and I don't even care. Like, that's where I hold him. Um, the idea that he would be anything other than Tonga's great man upsets me. <laughs> yeah, plus, you know, probably means that you have to play for Queensland too, and that's a problem. Yeah, why would we do that to him? Yeah, exactly. Now, if he was playing for the Blues, I'd be all for it. No, not really. <laughs> well, if playing for the Blues, that's a different story. <laughs> Dig up the Tesseract. <laughs> Anyone know the combination to that vault? <laughs> oh, dear. Well, thanks for tuning in, everyone. Make sure you go to manscaped.com. You buy, look, seriously, just buy everything they've got there. Because when you use our code NRL in the in the shop there, uh, in the checkout, you'll get twenty percent off, free shipping, thirty day money back guarantee. Why not buy everything? Seriously. What are you going to keep your money? Yeah. What do you want that for? Stop keep being your, a povo. Keep your money in your pubes. It just doesn't seem like the right thing to do. Yeah. Get rid of the money. Get rid of the pubes. Win. Simple. It is that simple. Um. Also, make sure you go to your podcast app and give us a five-star rating and give us a review. We'll read them out on here. We'll put them up on the website. Um, make sure you send us an email. You can go to the website, Freaky. Yeah, go to furgoandthefreak.com. Click on the contact section and send us an email. Um, we've had plenty to talk about in this episode. So if you've got you know an opinion you want to give us or you've got a question, anything at all, just email it to us through the website. And uh, we will read it out on the air. Bloody oath. Um, 
You can check us out too on Twitter and Instagram at Fergo Freak Pod. We're on Facebook, LinkedIn, MySpace, YouTube. Yeah, just all all the socials that you're on. We know yeah. you're on all of them. And we're we starting to get we're starting to get a few uh, new followers on the the um, Facebook and Twitter as well for the podcast yeah. feeds. So they're they're both starting to grow again, which is cool. Yeah, get in there, add us into conversations and stuff. We'll uh, we'll be replying to that. Yep. Uh, on both Twitter and, and Facebook, so uh, get involved there. That'd be fantastic. And I suppose that's pretty much it, isn't it? Yeah, it is. It's been a good episode. Thanks to everyone for listening, and thanks for listening to our. We know we do the longest rugby league podcasts on planet Earth, and we love having these longer conversations because some things deserve long conversations. And uh, we thank you for listening. Absolutely. Thanks for enduring us in this one too. It's a bit of a lengthy one. And, yeah, that's uh, what she said. And it's been two years. How good are we? Two years. Still smashing them out every, you know, several times a week. Oh, it's great. So much fun. Absolutely. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone, for two years and for this episode, and we'll catch you all next time.